Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ, the remnant of truth proclaimers and defenders, those who want to be equipped and to be able to uh, be salt and light in this country and around the world. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. A heavy broadcast today, especially in part two of this podcast today, when we are going to be discussing some sad realities of the direction of Disney and the power, the perversion, the wokeness, the moral decline, and their influence on families and young children. It was one of the most uh, disturbing topics I've researched in quite some time. That's my new article this week over at Harbinger's Daily, Disney's Direction. We'll talk about that, and um, just (laughs) fasten your seatbelts. Before we get to our guest today, who's got a book out I can't wait to talk about, There's a memorial rally tomorrow in Appleton, Wisconsin at St. Elizabeth's Hospital for Grace Shera, the 19-year-old who was killed because of COVID protocols and medications given to her that should never have been given to her at the same time. Presidex, lorazepam, and morphine, and then they placed a do-not-resuscitate order on her against the family's wishes. We've had Scott Shera on this podcast many times. He was just on Monday, if you want to check out that podcast and get up to speed. the It starts at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, rain or shine or whatever, um, but it's going to go from 9 till noon in Appleton. So details are on our website at the radio station website, q90fm.com. Again, Memorial Rally tomorrow for Grace Shera. Um, sad story, but a lot of parents can relate to that, um, families that lost loved ones during covid So we also will address some leaked footage of a Disney producer and someone in animation and even one of the presidents there bragging about pushing the gay agenda. Um, Seriously, friends, this is not a conspiracy anymore. It's out in the open. But I want to bring in today's guest, and I can't wait to talk about this book. We're going to be talking about the differences between Christianity and Islam with Dr. Mark Christian. He's the president and executive director of the Global Faith Institute, He's a former Islamic imam who converted to Christianity from Islam, and he dedicated his life to really work now for, to raise awareness about the first victims of Islam, Muslims themselves. And he was raised in the epicenter of the Muslim Brotherhood and understands the goals and strategy of this organization to, really, of world conquest. And Mark provides one-of-a-kind insight into the players, the shifting alliances, motives, and movements taking place in the Muslim world, and the impact it's having around the globe and, in our context, right here in America. Dr. Mark Christian, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be with you and with your listeners uh, this morning. Well, thanks for your time. Hey, you said you're in the middle of a book signing this morning. Uh, Tell us about that. Yes, you know... um there is, a, there is a lot of people who are very interested into what is going in the world today, especially the attack on Christianity and who is behind it. And you talked about Disney and, and others. And, uh, you know, the attack on Christianity has been going on since the, the, the day of the crucifixion and, uh, and mm-hmm. the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, there is a big hate of Christians uh, all, all along. But definitely there is an uprising in that. And uh, the Muslim Brotherhood and the Islamic organizations uh, that is functioning in this country definitely play a role in uh, pushing this attack on Christianity as well. Uh, so I, I've been speaking today about uh, how to make uh, you know, understanding of uh, Islamic teachings, what does it really mean, and especially during the month of Ramadan. And uh, some pe- people are very interested in, in the book and, uh, and my story and uh, my testimony and uh, the Islamic teachings that uh, is included in that book. Uh, it's an amazing book. I didn't get a chance to read the whole thing, but just what I did read is just really eye-opening and very informative about how deep this agenda of jihad goes. I'm going to ask you about civilization jihad in just a minute, Mark, but 
Um, I really want to thank you for coming on. We had Stefan Broden on last week. He's also part of the Content of Character series, which uh, people can find out about if you want speakers for your church or event. Um, it's over at contentofcharacterseries.com. And uh, Dr. Mark Christian, um, I read the prologue, and that drew me into your story in your book, which is, by the way, called The Apostate, Your Search for Truth. Um I'm going to just let the cat out of the bag real quick and and just get to the bottom of this. Your own father tried to kill you, and that was an eye-opening experience for you, and you saw how demonic the roots of this uh, Islamic agenda go. Please share a little bit of your background, and I know it goes back to the 1990s, but I know, if you could just condense that for us, and what I read in the prologue was just amazing and uh, god bless you and i know he's he's using you in a big way but he brought you through a pretty intense time didn't he i, I meant all of that and and so i i just want to highlight something over here this is not a book about bashing uh islam and, and muslims and, and all of that stuff as a matter of fact i have a deep 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 i can say that for till eternity mm. love for muslims they are my relatives they are my bloodline they are mm. Uh, the, the, my family and so forth, and I continue. The book is written so uh, to show love to Muslims, basically. Mm. Okay, and the other thing is, you know, I, I did not leave Islam whatsoever because Islam was bad uh, to me, or because I was suffering under Islam, or uh, Islam is a jihadist movement, any of that stuff. I left Islam for a very simple thing that it is a false religion. Mm. And I did not come to that conclusion just overnight because I uh, read a couple of articles. That is far from true, and you'll find that in the book. And when I came to conclusion as well that Islam is a false religion, I did not accept that with an open arms and a smile on my face. I was rattled, I was scared, and I was very, very, very um, uh, distraught by that kind of finding. And that goes to the point that you know, my childhood was different from uh, many childhood you can hear about. Mm. Uh, the age of five years old, I start uh, memorizing the Quran and I start to live a very uh, adherent and very devout Muslim life. Mm. And the reason for that is goes go back to where I'm coming from and who is my family is and so forth. And the father that you talked about, he's my best friend. He was my best friend and mm. I still love him dearly. And he is very dedicated to what he believes 100%, and I am today dedicated to what I believe 100% as well, but on the other side of the aisle. And this is why this book is very unique, to give you an understanding of both sides. Mm -hmm. What does Islam teaches and what Christianity uh, is all about, and what is the difference between the two, and who is right and who is wrong? Because there is no chance on earth that you will find Muhammad truthful and Jesus truthful. One of them has to be telling the truth, and the other person has to be lying. And there is no way both of them are teaching the same thing, or having the same religion, or we all worship the same God. This is one of the biggest lies of our lifetime. Yes. So I, I want to take you—do you mind if I continue for a minute? Oh, please do. Okay. So I want to take you back to my, my upbringing and where I'm coming from. So, uh, and to mention that, I have to mention my family and my father uh, that we talked about a little bit. So, my father's side uh, is a very devout Muslim religious family. My mother was coming from a more of a cultural Muslim uh, background. Uh, my life really, you know, uh, is kind of talking about both sides and how the Islamic side was able to overtake and overrun the, the, my mother's side. And, and also to talk about my, my family from my father's side. Uh, my dad is a physician. He's an OB-GYN. He came from absolutely nothing, coming from a countryside, small village, no running water, no nothing. And he was able to build himself to be a very successful physician, very successful businessman, and also a very, very well-known uh, uh, Islamic preacher in the Middle East. He wrote 19 books build seven Islamic schools and uh, and uh, and build the three big mosques and he preaches uh, weekly to a crowd of at least three thousand to five thousand uh, in in mosques across the country wow. and he is one of the leaders that leads people to the pilgrimage um, to Mecca 
and he wrote books about that. He is one of the most uh, well-known people that leads people to Mecca and how to guide them and how to tell them how to do and what to do when they do the pilgrimage into Saudi Arabia and to Mecca and Medina and, and you know, and doing the month, uh, the yearly pilgrimage and and also the small one is called Umrah. Hmm. So I grew up in this kind of household, okay, and I'm the firstborn. And by the age of five. I started memorizing the Quran. I wanted to be the mini-me of my father, and my father really, really encouraged that. Mm. And and him and I became very close to each other. We had a very interesting relationship that actually till today, and uh, that relationship started very strong uh, and, and very close because I was doing exactly what he was hoping for a child to be or a son to be, that somebody is going to grow in his image grow up his mini-me that will actually will be able to take over his ministry one day and even surpass him uh, at some point in time. So this is, was my childhood. So Mark Christian, um, the obvious question is, what led you to start doubting Islam? That's a, uh, that's a great question. So, you know, you will read in the book, you know, how did my life look like all the way until I was accepted myself into medical school? And when I was accepted, uh, God ordained for me to have around 14-month uh, period of a gap year. We call it here gap year. It was time that I was waiting for classes to start, and I have so much time on my, ta- uh, on my hand. And I decided that I am going to invest that time in studying Islam to a completely different level. My intention was, here is my dad. He's a very successful preacher. He's a successful physician. I am going to be the same. I want to be better than him. I thought that, you know what, he is very good in preaching Islam to Muslims. He's leading them. He's guiding them. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to actually take Islam to the non-believers. I'm going to go to the Christians and the Jews and those who does not believe in anything, and I will convince them that Islam is the right religion so they can do exactly what I am doing, and they can have the same life that I'm having, and they can be the slaves of Allah that I am. And, 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 and in my mission, I decided I'm going to go and dig in history, theology, all of the teachings of Islam, not by the surface of how to do things, but actually why we're doing things. Mm. And I was hoping to play the devil advocate. So if a Christian <laughs> like yourself asks me a question, I will definitely uh, you know, answer them by ways that I will flatten you, and you will not have no answer other than believing in Islam. Mm. Wow. Can so, I continue? Yeah, so you were an apologist for Islam. That's how deeply you were committed to it. I was committed that much. I, was, I, I, I thought that I have all the tools. I am going to be the preacher of Islam of all times. I'm going to be converting Christians everywhere. Uh, and, I, and, you know, I, I was going to a British school. I, my English was a little bit better than, you know, the average people around me, you know, in, 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 the, in the Islamic teachings. Uh, I know I have an accent, and, you know, some people in America might not think my English was good, but it was good for my culture, you know, <laughs> uh, in a way. So, and anyway, so when I start digging into Islamic teachings, this is where I start having problems. So I, I was going into it to be an Islamic apologist, mm-hmm. and um, what I found out is uh, was not very pleasing, <laughs> to say the least. What do you mean by that, what you found out? Well, you know, um, it, it is very hard to summarize it in a radio interview, okay. which is why I really encourage people to read the book. But I'm going to give you a couple of hints. In, in sure, it. sure. So when, when I'm digging into things, I, you know, one, one important thing actually is, was Muhammad truthful? Okay. And, he, and here is the question of all time, that when I go to you or go to a Christian in my mind, I'm going to say, hey, you need to follow Muhammad, you need to stop believing in Jesus Christ, or you don't you need to stop to believe in Judaism and, and all the teachings of it, you need to follow Muhammad, and, and you need to follow the Quran, you need to change everything in your life, you need to follow Sharia law, you need to do this and this and this and this, and to be like, like I was living, you know, and um, the, everybody, I thought, would ask me, so how would we know that Muhammad is truthful, you know, how would we know that Muhammad's message is honest. How would we know that Muhammad is the prophet of all prophets, mm-hmm. like Muhammad claimed to be? How would we know that Muhammad is the final message, that he is the most beloved by the creator of heaven and earth, and all of the things that Muhammad 
claim to be? How would we know that? And I will tell them, like every Muslim would say, well, the Quran, the teachings of the, the scripture of Islam, says that Muhammad is what he claimed to be is. So the question will come, okay, so how would we know that the Quran is truthful? Well, how can dare you ask this question? You know, this is the Quran is written by Allah himself, the creator of heaven and earth, that has been kept under his uh, throne, you know, f- since eternity. And Muhammad, because he is who he is, as the best prophet of all, he was, uh, you know, uh, bestowed on him to have this unbelievable, uh, truthful message from Allah himself. So the Quran says that Muhammad is the final prophet, so you should believe it because the Quran said so. So, and then it came to mind, so, okay, how would we know that the Quran is truthful? Well, because Muhammad said so. And I'm going to go into this unending circle. You know, the Quran is true because Muhammad is said so, and Muhammad is truthful because the Quran said so. No, we need <laughs> to find more answers to that. Yes. you think? Yes. Right? So, so it, it came to me like, you know, okay, let's, let's, let us examine what Muhammad uh, said himself when he was alive. You know, I didn't know the story of Thomas, but all of us Christians know the story of Thomas. Thomas asked Jesus, how would I know that you are the resurrected Jesus Christ? And, and Jesus did not shy away from his questioning, and he reached out to him, and he let him put his finger in his hand to show the signs of the nails and the, and the marks of the nails. Is, is that, is that, you, you know that story, right? Yes, yes. Most Christians know that story. So, you know, it, 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 uh, uh, this is the thing, you know. So wh- what did Muhammad do when he was asked the same questions or challenged the same question? And that is the question. Well, what's fascinating about Jesus is in one of those uh, stories written in the Bible, he says, here, just touch my hands and, and my side. And Thomas then exclaimed, my Lord and my God. So doubting Thomas had a revelation uh, of Jesus uh, just individually. But um, we're talking with Dr. Mark Christian. His book is called The Apostate, My Search for Truth. Uh, Mark, we've got three minutes left in this segment, and I want to go back briefly and, and just ask you— <laughs> Okay, oh, maybe go ahead. Next segment, next segment, I want to share with the listeners today what was Muhammad's answer when he was asked that question by, by the Jews and by the Christians of his time and also by others. And this is something that is actually mentioned in details in books, but we will do that in the next section. Okay. So let's finish this segment, okay? Yes, yes. I just wanted to go back and ask you a little bit more about your family, because on page 33 of your book, uh, you write about the Muslim Brotherhood, and you've got a picture of your father with you as a young child, and then your uncle was actually a, really a major role player in the Muslim Brotherhood. Is there any communication with your family today or your relatives, or have they cut you off? Uh, well, you know, there is an attempt on my life in, 2000, in March 29, 2003, by my own family. Uh, and I survived by the grace of God because God has a plan for me. I, I truly believe that. Um, uh, my relationship with my family has been severed, uh, not only uh, in 2003, but actually 10 years prior to that, when I started questioning Islam after, I, uh, after the revelations that I found out when I started studying Islamic history and teachings from Islamic books. And uh, but here is the biggest thing. In in 2015, I was able to reach out to my dad and have a phone call with him. And since then, we have been talking back and forth. Oh, wow. I think I think what I'm benefiting the most is because I live in this great nation that we are in today, that I'm getting provided uh, protection that I would never get anywhere else. But mm. most of most important than that is that I have the assurance of salvation in Jesus Christ. I'm not fearful whatsoever from anything. Nothing will add one second to my life. Nothing will take away seconds of my life uh, without the will of God. So I'm living with no fear. I love my family dearly. They hate on me dearly as well, Mm. and I'm not worried about that. I will continue reaching out, and this is what I encourage Christians to do on a daily basis. Do not be afraid of what people think of you. Uh, Mm. Let us focus on what Jesus thinks of us. Praise God. Uh, I know he's working, and he's, he's getting the message of truth out there through you, through your book. Dr. Mark Christian, I look at the back, and I see uh, Bob McEwen endorsed the book, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. Uh, we've had Lieutenant William Boykin on of the Family Research Council. He's been on this podcast. And also Mike Huckabee's endorsed the book, and I think you've spoken with him at different events. And also, um, I've been to a couple Liberty Pastors conferences. Didn't you speak for uh, Liberty Pastors once or twice? Yes, I did uh, the one in Texas. Uh, I was supposed to be there, and the one in 
Little Rock, but I I, 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 ha- I was having another conference, so I did not go there. I didn't know that you were there. So yep, I, yep. I, I, I hope that we get to meet in person again. I, I hope so, too. That was a catalyst in my life. The first one I went to actually was in 2020. More with Dr. Mark Christian when we come back. The Apostate, his search for truth on Stand Up for the Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is Dr. Mark Christian, and his search for truth brought him to Jesus Christ, and he's a converted brother and family uh, member, but uh, he also has family that he's been praying for. He mentioned earlier uh, he's, he's trying to witness to Muslims when he has opportunities because he loves them. And we love all people because God so loved the world. The book is called The Apostate. And I want to go back to ask you something, uh, Dr. Mark. Um, what, just so some of our newer listeners maybe not be familiar with this phrase, civilization jihad, could you break that down for us? Yes, you know, in America, we like, we, we kind of get uh, very excited about car chases and bullets, and uh, it, it is all over the movies and, 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 you know, and the real fight. So when people look at uh, what happened in 9-11 and before that, they are always concerned about uh, the bloodshed and the explosions and, and uh, what can happen, you know, from an attack and so forth, and they're looking at it from a very... Um, you know, uh, a bloody side, which is, I agree 100%. That is, that is uh, unbelievably hard, and it is, it is something that we need to fight on a daily basis. And, and, and uh, the site of 9-11 uh, is stuck in many people who lived through it and also the people who have seen it on TV. And I hope people will continue remembering and never forget what happened in 9-11. But here is the biggest problem. Um, civilization jihad is actually way more dangerous than actually the bloodshed of 9-11, if I would uh, dare to say so, because I know for sure that they are. I'm going to give you an example, and I'm going to delve into this a little bit. Sure. See, in, when 9-11 took place, there was around 300 mosques in the United States of America, and very little uh, knew anything about the existence of Islam. Islam was just a, an obscure religion that people don't know about Fast forward 20 years today, mm-hmm. we spend as a country trillions of dollars for that war that actually bankrupted, almost bankrupting the country in a way uh, with the national debt. And also away from that, we have uh, uh, Islamic activists. And I'm not saying Muslims. I'm saying Islamic activists, mm-hmm. political activist Muslims in uh, the administration, in, in the White House, in the CIA, in the FBI, in the State Department. In every uh, uh, government organization today, I'm talking about Muslim Brotherhood members or somebody who is associated with the Muslim Association or Islamic Society of North America or Council of American Islamic Relationship. And uh, talking about Council of American Islamic Relationship, we have this organization stationed in D.C., and they are a big lobby and activist group of associated with the Muslim Brotherhood yeah. who was working daily to influence our political decisions, our politicians, Senate and Congress, and everything in between. Okay, mm-hmm. And we have more than uh, the number of mosques in the United States has actually not doubled, but I, I, it, it is at least 12 folds the number of mosques uh, you know, at the time of 9-11. Mm-hmm. Also, the number of converts to Islam is increasing. Islam is becoming part of our commercials, part of our schools, part of everything in our life. Yes. That is what civilization jihad. Okay. You know, and you know, this is not a new thing, by the way. This is how Islam started. Islam starts by one, you know, and you, you will read in the book how Islam spread mm-hmm. as well. You know, and a very simple look at the map today of the whole globe and to see where Islamic countries are and where the Christians are, you will find uh, Christians sporadic all over the planet. But you see Muslims, Muslim countries have amalgamated in one big mass. And the reason for that is was the invasion. And the invasion starts this way. Always one uh, bloody attack followed by civilization jihad. Mm. Okay? The bloody attack opened the door, gets people attention, yes. uh, and it's called the conquest. And then after that, civilization jihad. So what is the civilization jihad I'm talking about? It is actually activism and uh, lobbying and working uh, hard day in, day out 
to influence the society that has been just attacked. So they can change this society and this kind of culture from within and to try to convert it into Islam. It has been very successful from the day one and it will continue being successful today. Yes. Look at it. Uh, we just started the month of Ramadan on April 2nd. The same day April 2nd started, there was a huge big gathering of Muslims praying in Times Square, the same city that was attacked on 9-11. Wow. And nobody can even say anything. You have you know, hundreds of Muslims gathering with big microphones, calling for the prayers for, 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 for Islam, and, 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 and taking over half of Times Square, not for a, a Happy New Year party or for a pagan party, but actually to uh, line the streets, leaving the mosques empty, and making a big statement of Islam in Times Square. That is what civilization, this is the fruit of this civilization job. Yes. It's not bullets uh, running, it is not blood running down the streets, it's actually uh, turning the country from inside out. Attack on the church, the, ch- the church become irrelevant. Can you actually do the same thing as a Christian? You have to take lots of permits, and nobody <laughs> will care about what you're doing. That's but right. Muslims can do it. This is what civilization jihad is all about. That's right. Dr. Mark Christian, it sounds very similar, almost a parallel to cultural Marxism, where they knew the Marxists and the socialists and the communists knew they could not overtake America militarily. Because we're too strong for that, or we used to be before before the Obama administration and the Biden administration. But now they're into every major institution in America because of influence and political lobbying. Is that correct? That is 100 percent correct. But I want people to pay attention to something that is very, very important. Sure. Okay. The the rise of socialism and communism uh, in the United States of America, which was like a huge big sin Mm -hmm. uh, before, you know, look at the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, you know, and Reagan says, bring that down that wall and how people looked at socialism and communism. It was a very small uh, part of uh, our culture that was actually like, you know, obscure and nobody cared about them. So when did the rise of socialism start becoming getting uh, a foothold in, in America? It's during Obama years, mm. in the beginning of Obama years. And you have to understand today that socialism and communism is getting this kind of a new wave, a new blood, a new uh, stamina. And it is by the help also of the Islamic organization. Yes. I sound crazy. I sound like, what are you talking about? Well, look at the hands of Islamists in the Black Lives Movement. Look at the Islamist organization, like I mentioned, Council of American Islamic Relationship and others, uh, in the, uh, the, 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 the movement of the uh, LGBT community. Yes. Look at it in the socialist and the communist movement all over the country. Look at the number of Muslims who are working in Bernie Sanders' campaign or Biden campaign yes. or all of those. You know, and, and so the question is, what is the relationship? Because the relationship is very close more than anybody thinks it is. We are looking at fighting and socialism, but socialist movement itself is a failing movement. It never succeeded anywhere. It never did anything right to any country. It always brings nations down. So why? Because, you know, part of the civilization jihad is to turn people against each other and use tools that destroy the culture from within so one thing can, can rise as the most powerful thing. So socialism and communism today is rising because of the help of lots of people who hate this country, yep. want to destroy it from, from within, and nobody hates it more than the Muslim Brotherhood and those who are uh, fighting hard in a civilization jihad to turn this country from within. Yes, there are a lot of groups and entities coming against the biblical Christian worldview and what America stands for or used to stand for. That's a debate for another time. But um, there are some interesting similarities between Islam and Christianity, uh, Dr. Mark Christian, uh, but there are many, many more contrasts. What would be one of the most glaring or stark contrasts that you can share with our listeners between Muhammad and Jesus Christ or between Islam and Christianity? One is true and one is not. How about that? <laughs> yes, yes. Break that down a little bit. But here is the thing. Um, when I mentioned when, when Jesus was challenged you know, about his legitimacy, he easily proved himself. Mm-hmm. He proved himself through miracles, and even he went to the doubters and tried to extend his hand to put the finger in, in it. Uh, when Muhammad was asked, he, he had no answers. Believe it or not, he had no answers. 
And I, I have an, and I have an, and I have an, not one example. I have many examples in my book, and that was the biggest challenge for me myself when I start digging. Is how did Muhammad respond to to the doubters? And one one incident can come to come to mind right now and mention in the book, and it is actually uh, commemorated in the uh, third chapter of the Quran, which is the second longest chapter in the Quran. It's a story of the Christians when the Christians went to Muhammad to ask him about his legitimacy. And his answer to them after days and days of, you know, dragging his feet and says, come tomorrow, I will have an answer for you. He never did commit a miracle. You know what he did to the Christians at the end? Mm. He brought a piece of cloth and he said, uh, I will cover my head and my body with this piece of cloth. I'm going to include my family underneath it. And I will swear that I'm telling the truth. And if I am uh, lying, then, uh, I, you know, I will pray that I will be cursed. Do, do, do you think that is a good answer? Uh, no, that, no, that doesn't prove anything, right? Doesn't prove anything. So actually the Christians looked at him and said, no, 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 don't, don't embarrass yourself. Don't do this. We will pay you the money that you're asking us to do, but we are not going to convert, we're not going to follow. You're going to keep Jesus uh, as our Lord and Savior, and you just do your own thing. We will do ours. We will pay you money so you can leave us alone. This is what the Christians did. And, and you know, I, I think it's a great, a great response from the Christians, but at the same time, it shows, you know, like we continue sometimes turn the blind eye to people who want to destroy our own faith, okay? Mm -hmm. yes. But here is the biggest difference between the two, that you cannot have the same God, okay? In Islam, it's very simple. Uh, the word Islam itself, not like George Bush said, it is a religion of peace. Islam means submission. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, surrender, actually, and submission. Yes, yes. Okay? And, and that means that the person who follow Allah is nothing other than a slave, a slave, 100% a slave, to Allah who is his master. Okay? Mm -hmm. And the relationship will continue that way. The idea of daughtership and sonship and love from God is blasphemy in Islam. So that's all wrong, and you cannot accept it in Islam. While we are called into daughtership and sonship and you know, and 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 uh, and relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, to God through Jesus Christ, so we can be loved and be forgiven, and we will never perish. That is a stark difference. How that can actually implement it on 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 real life? You know, Allah or the Creator of heaven and earth in Islam is a judge, is a very just judge. Mm. Whether this is good or bad, but he's a very just judge. That nothing will go unpunished or unrewarded. So it is a relationship of uh, what you're going to do to please that master and what you, can, what, what you did to make him upset, and he will punish you for every single, single thing. You know, in Islam, if you miss the prayer uh, that is an obligation, which is the, one of the five pillars, yes. then you have to make up for that prayer. Otherwise, you will be punished for it in, in the grave and in the afterlife. Wow. Can you imagine if you tell Christians today that you'll be punished for every Sunday that you miss the church? <laughs> wow. Well, many pastors would like to do that, but yeah, you know right. the reality. You know, but the reality mm -hmm. is, we have a forgiving, we have a loving God. We we do fellowship, not obligations and so forth. And the examples between the two is stark, is different. Yes, and there is no way both of them can be true. You mentioned um, the five pillars of Islam, and we've had stories and have heard that that is now in some government-run schools, public schools across America, where they have young students recite that. I'm sure you're concerned about that, correct? Because you couldn't, you couldn't recite the Bible or quote scripture, but you can recite the five pillars of Islam in some schools in America. Here, here is the thing. I respect this country, and I love it dearly, and it is the most important thing to me after Jesus Christ and my family, okay? But here is the thing. In this country as well, everybody has a right to practice their own religion the way they like, anywhere they like, and we have the freedom of religion, and I respect that. What bothers me the most is not that Muslims have the place of prayers in every college, and every school, and they can do whatever they want to. I want to have that for me as well. Mm -hmm. If they have the freedom of religion, why am I denying mine? Why, they are, why it is very easy and simple to separate the church from the, the state, but it is not but is not, uh, uh, but wh why the mosque is not separated from the state? Mm -hmm. And you know, you say, you know, yeah, they are separated. No, they are not, because m Muslim activists are allowed in every, you know, office in this country. Can you do the same thing for Christians? Can we actually be Christians? You know, and here is the thing: 
Muslims are advocates are advocating for civilization jihad from destroying this country from within. Christians actually uh, are advocating for love, advocating for this country to be back to 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 a very loving, caring God who accepts everybody and loves everybody and 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 wants good for everybody and wants to bless people and wants us to live by 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 a very uh, fair code, Ten Commandments and and and, and things that is is not is not. Uh, evil in any way but within islam you know you you can punish the thief by cutting their hands by uh stoning the adulteress we we, we don't have that jesus said do not stone the adulteress You're right you know? We, we, you know so this is the difference between the two so why are you denying uh the the right of uh you know why are you separating the church from from the state but not separating the mosque from the state yep that's an excellent question and it goes unanswered and the educators i don't know i don't know how they deal with that well, you know why contradiction. it's not answered sir you know why it's not answered because us christians and us uh, and, and our leadership is not doing what is right that's we, right we, we 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 shy away from the controversies we we run away from any argument that kind of uh, uh, bring some kind of uh, questioning uh, to our intentions, stuff like that. You know what? Muslims do not do that. And they are, they, they stuck with each other. They work with each other. The, the dedication for the Islamic movement is inspiring and should be inspiring to us that we should follow in their footsteps of how much dedicated Muslims to their cause. Maybe we can be doing 50% of their cause. I'm, I'm mentioning my own father. My father is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a strong Muslim. You know, I called him on April 2nd to congratulate him on, on Ramadan, even after he tried to kill me in 2003. And, you know, he never gives up. He never gives up. You know, in the phone call, I'm saying congratulations. He knows where I'm at and he knows, you know, uh, in faith and so forth. And he says to me, you know, are you, you know, he doesn't, he still continue calling me Muhammad, does not call me Mark. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Sorry we had to cut off uh, Dr. Mark Christian, and he had to get back to his event. He was actually speaking and doing a book signing, and he took the time to do the interview, and then he got all passionate toward the end of that. So we are going to have him back on. The book is called The Apostate, My Search for Truth by Dr. Mark Christian. So we will definitely... I have him back on, and during after the break, he uh, he said absolutely he'll come back. So now, guys, we're going to take a turn now in this in this podcast because I warned you this is one of the more disturbing topics I had researched in recent years because of the depth of the uh, immorality here, and then then just let me just dive into it. We're going to talk about Disney. Disneyland, Disney World, even go back and mention Walt Disney's roots and his profession of a Christian faith. So how is Disney doing some of the things it's doing today, knowing its founder uh, would not have endorsed it? Um, well, Disney's direction is now something to be concerned about, if you're, especially if you're a Christian parent. Uh, it's not exactly a newsflash. Disney has made uh, just massive advancements in in power in, in acquiring wealth corporations they have their own entity uh, entities anyway they're now politically correct they've gone gay they've gone woke but many families across the country have no idea and keep on um, really endorsing Disney products right so we now have overwhelming proof that leadership and I'll quote a few of them in a few minutes at Disney have been openly and rapidly advancing the LGBTQ plus agenda. And because kids are its target audience, this multi-billion dollar corporation has opened itself up to anti-family agendas and child predator problems. We'll get to that. Their power and their tentacles. Let's start there. This has flown under the radar for a number of years, but now since they have um, really opposed Harshly, this Florida law protecting young children in public schools. And thank, thank you, Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida. Because of that, people are looking at Disney and going, why are you so against this legislation? So they have poisoned countless young minds to reject God. It's been subtle because they've accepted homosexuality, discrimination against Christians. How about witchcraft in many of its movies and, and uh, animations. But the list of companies owned by Disney now is, is quite daunting. But let's just name a few. 
These are without the name uh, Disney, right? ABC, ESPN, Touchstone Pictures, Marvel, Lucasfilm, A&E, The History Channel, Lifetime, Pixar, Hollywood Records. What about recognizable brand names owned by Disney? Here are just some. Think about how massive some of these brands are. Star Wars, The Muppets, The Marvel Cinematic Universe, Disney Princesses or Princes, The Chronicles of Narnia franchise, The Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, Pixar Films, The Winnie the Pooh franchise, The Indiana Jones franchise, ABC, popular ABC television shows. How massive is this entity now? Understand this. Does any other entity get treated like this? Maybe Microsoft. But other than that, um, it, since 1967, Disney can pretty much govern itself. They do whatever they want. I'm not exaggerating. It's similar to a state government. According to uh, Liberty Council founder Matt Staver, Disney is basically their own governmental entity with their own district. They have their own water district, their own taxing district. They had their own police force. Disney does its own zoning and planning and infrastructure. They process their own trash. They issued their own bonds for roads and, and development. Being self-governing, they have enjoyed special treatment from Florida's legislature for decades. But now they openly assault American values. If Disney wants to vigorously oppose this Florida legislation and get into political lobbying, go against decency and family values, they should not get special treatment any, anymore. Would you agree? Well, we'll see how this plays out. But there are families boycotting and protesting. I want to give you this uh, website really quick. I don't know if I'll get to this article. ParentsFightBack.com. ParentsFightBack.com. Let me get back to this article that I just wrote. Disney executives, now here's where a couple of the quotes are going to come in. They've openly admitted they are grooming young children. And this alone should concern parents, especially Christian parents. Now, the company now gloats about intentionally placing LGBTQ narratives into movies, cartoons, and storybooks. They promised to wage war against Florida and their parental rights in education law. Did you know that was the actual name of the bill? But the bill is known to the far left and uninformed Americans as the don't say gay bill. The word gay appears nowhere in it. But the law bans teachers from talking to four-year-olds about sex. Do you have a problem with that? Florida's HB 1557 mentions parents many, many times. Quote, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through age three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. End quote. Do you have a problem with that? I don't. The fact Disney executives and many employees would have a problem with protecting innocent school children speaks volumes, especially for a company that that people think embraces children. Now, they do work with and embrace a Chinese Communist Party that violates human rights and promotes anti-Christian worldviews. They work with China. Disney owned ESPN. Did you know that Disney owns ESPN? Their broadcast of the Women's NCAA Basketball Tournament a few weeks ago. Uh, on that broadcast, two announcers, Carolyn Peck and Courtney Lyle, gave a couple moments, minutes, two minutes of silence honoring the LGBTQ in opposition of Florida's bill protecting children. I'm going to quote them. There are bigger things than basketball. Our LGBTQIA plus teammates at Disney asked for our solidarity and support. So ESPN, owned by Disney, I don't know if they were forced or if they said, yeah, let's help you out. Let's, let's you know, honor uh, Disney employees with two minutes of silence, those who are LGBTQ. Uh, Disney's theme parks have opened itself up to pride parades. They now have the rainbow, Mickey Mouse hat, and everything else. Christian parents don't seem to mind. They keep attending. They keep going there to the theme parks. That's your decision. That's a that's a individual issue of conscience. But if that weren't enough, Disney's showing its hypocrisy by crusading against the Florida state law 
while at the same time expanding programming access in the Middle East to nations that have strict laws and often severe punishments against homosexuality and LGBTQ lifestyles. The countries include Algeria, Egypt, Libya, Morocco, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Yemen. And yet, Disney is coming against Florida. Thanks to the work of journalist Christopher Rufo, some leaked footage emerged of an executive producer of Disney Animation bragging about her, quote, not at all secret gay agenda. Her name is LaToya Ravino, and she admitted the company has already been pushing hard to insert more LGBTQ characters. And she said that whenever she could, she would add queerness, her words, adding queerness, such as gay characters kissing in the background. And she emphasized the fact that no one at Disney tried to stop her. The new video from a Walt Disney Company meeting called Reimagine Tomorrow This shows top executives vowing to increase the number of LGBT characters in Disney productions. The progressive elites called the meeting at Disney, Reimagine Tomorrow. It sounds like something right out of the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab's Great Reset Agenda, doesn't it? Now, one of the featured speakers brought in for this series at Disney was Ibram X. Kendi to teach how to be an anti-racist and the worldly philosophy of critical theory under the guise of DEI. What the heck is that? Diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives within Disney Corporation. Next, Katie Burke is the corporate president for Disney. She went so far as to say that Disney wants more than 50, 50% of its characters to be LGBTQ and racial minorities from now on. She smiles and proudly describes her two LGBTQ kids and says her colleagues at Disney want to be part of, quote, groundbreaking LGBTQIA stories, end quote. Pray for her children and for her that God would get through to them with the truth. She should be broken, not proud, being the, quote, mother of one transgender child and one pansexual child, end quote. So it's no surprise that in order to guarantee LGBTQ plus awareness content is available for children, Disney creators chose to restore a lesbian kiss in the upcoming animated film Lightyear. I seem to remember Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story. I'm not sure Tim Allen would uh, feel good about this uh, development, but uh, hey, it used to be that Disney was once family friendly. Friends, not anymore. The Joe Biden White House. Let's go there for a couple minutes. The Joe Biden White House is pushing this demonic worldview as well. Biden recently claimed that trans people are made in the image of God. His words. Biden Democrats have endorsed sex change operations on teenagers who pretend, I mean, who identify as the opposite gender. Democrat Press Secretary Jen Psaki also declared that banning sex and gender conversations in the public schools until fourth grade is discriminatory. She calls the Florida laws protecting young children horrific and a form of bullying. This reveals a tragic fact about America, friends. We're not at a point in history where the left thinks it's bullying to ask teachers not to talk about transgenderism and homosexuality in kindergarten. The next part of the story, uh, we've got five minutes left. It's more disturbing, but this definitely uh, pulls back the curtain on Disney's child predator problems and how the LGBTQ media is covering it up. Chris Rufo shared this in 2014, CNN and I really, I guess they're actually still around. They actually did uh, an investigation into Disney's child predators. And at that time, which was, what, eight years ago, recommended more sting operations to catch sexual predators at Disney. Fast forward eight years, 2022. This is what's changed in such a little amount of time. CNN now says that mentioning this problem is a conspiracy theory. In other words, forget our 2014 report. There's no sexual predators at Disney. Well, in a new article for, at City Journal, 
exposing the fact Disney theme parks have a long-standing issue, unknown to the public, by the way, with child predators gaining employment and exploiting minors. After the 2014 report that I just mentioned, Disney saw a steady stream of employees caught in the dragnet for child predators. Disney employees have been arrested, three in a sting operation in Orlando. Others have committed sex crimes using the Internet. They've been involved with child pornography. And as recent as last month, March of 2022, four more Disney workers were arrested in another sting operation exposing human trafficking, child predators, and prostitution. This is documented. So let's be fair right now. Most employees that work at places such as Disney just want a stable job. I understand that. But the sad truth is, wherever you find groups of young children, you will find sexual predators. Now, Walt Disney, if a corpse could roll over in its grave, he would. Um, If he knew what was happening today to the corporation, the entity that he started, he seemed to believe that inspiration came from God and that religion is necessary to maintain a proper balance or a healthy life. Here's a quote from Walt Disney when he was alive. All I ask of myself is to live a good Christian life. And toward that objective, I bend every effort in shaping my personal, domestic, and professional activities and growth. Does that sound like a man who would come against young children in a law protecting them from these sexual agendas, hypersexual agendas, and demonic agendas? I wonder what his family thinks. Well, when you walk into the Magic Kingdom theme parks, there's a plaque featuring a Walt Disney quote that says, Here you leave today and enter the world of yesterday, tomorrow, and fantasy. And according to Disney Diversity and Inclusion Manager, they have now removed all mentions of ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls in its theme parks. Why? To support LGBTQ plus children, make them feel safe and, quote, included. Now, another uh, Disney ally to the LGBTQ community, senior vice president and chief diversity officer, reacted to the Florida legislation saying, I believe it's important to reaffirm our Disney values and our longstanding commitment to inclusion, meaning anything included but the biblical worldview. They are reaffirming Disney values by rejecting biblical values. Let's be clear, friends. This radical sex education is foundational also to social justice movements. Don't have time to finish the article, but you can go to uh, harbingersdaily.com. They just published it, I believe, this morning, uh, the article that I wrote with much of this information and links to the resources on Disney's depravity and their power and their tentacles. It is massive, more than I could even get into in this article. All right, tomorrow on the podcast, is tomorrow Friday, Dr. Nathaniel Jensen, he's got a new book out. We'll talk to him, and then we'll get into more news and uh, commentary in uh, the last segment tomorrow. Remember to check out that protest and rally for Grace Shara in Appleton, Wisconsin, outside St. Elizabeth Hospital, 9 a.m. tomorrow. God bless you, friends, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.